Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Live with Rye, the podcast. I am so excited to be bringing you a brand new episode of Live with Rye, the podcast. It has been such an exciting few weeks here. Thanks for all your support of the launch of the podcast. I'm hoping you are enjoying every episode. As you know, every Thursday, I release a new episode of past episodes from Live with Rye, which is my virtual show that I launched in 2020, and I am giving you the episodes in podcast fashion. But as promised, I am bringing you new episodes with new and exciting people in the Broadway creative and entertainment world. So thank you for all your support. And hey, as always, make sure you subscribe to not only this YouTube channel, if you're watching the, the video, but subscribe to the podcast, leave a five-star rating and review, and let me know what you like. Um, you know, I, subscribing and on Apple uh, Apple. On, on the Apple Podcast Network or on Spotify. I'm still learning the lingo. Uh, it's so important to podcast and happy to be on the podcast train. As I told you, it only took me two years, but I'm finally on it. Um, and also just as a little, a little um, promotion on my end, if you're following me on social media, you have probably seen that my live in-person Broadway talk show is celebrating one year. Live with Ryan Friends on Broadway celebrates one year next month, September I, well, actually this month, I can't believe it's September already. And uh, I want to invite you to my one year anniversary show at the Triad Theater on the Upper West Side. I am so excited. Um, it's going to be a great night of live performances, major giveaways, and so much more. Tickets are not now on sale. If you go to my website, rymyers.com, you can get tickets there by going to the anniversary show page. These are my special guest for that night. I'm so excited. I have Donnie Kerr, who was in the original Broadway cast of Jack of um, Jersey Boys, Billy Elliot, and the Who's Tommy. He's also been seen in the House of Cards. If you know Broadway, you know Donnie Kerr. I'm also very excited to have Rob Evan, who was in the original Broadway cast of Jekyll and Hyde. He's been in the cast of Tarzan, Les Mis, who's played Valjean, and he's the co-creator and producer of Rocktopia, which was recently seen on Broadway in 2018. Super special night to have Rob there. It's going to be his first time performing back on stage in quite a few years. And of course, Joshua Turchin, who is child prodigy, incredible creative. He has been in Trevor the Musical, Forbidden Broadway, and so, and Mrs. Maisel. And finally, Avery Rule, who's been in Broadway School of Rock. I'm so excited. So on Monday, September 26th, 9.30 p.m. at the Triad Theater, you can come in person. Tickets are $20. Or you can watch the live stream and you can purchase tickets to the live stream. Again, you just go to my website, ryemyers.com, R-Y-E-M-Y-E-R-S.com. And I will put a link in the show notes as well. And I hope you can make it. If you can't make it in person, stream. It's going to be a great night. There's going to be a lot of giveaways. And who knows, maybe if you're watching at home um, that night, maybe you'll get a giveaway as well. As you will see on my website, I've had some great sponsors. We've given away Broadway tickets. We've given away signed copies of books. I mean, from Randy Rainbow to Harvey Firestein, tickets that come from away, tickets to grow from the North Country and everything in between. So I hope you'll join me in celebrating one year of my Broadway talk show, Live with Ryan Friends on Broadway, the only Broadway talk show in all of New York City. And I am excited to be bringing you the show on the 26th, the Triad Theater. And also I'm doing one final show on October 17th at the Triad as well to sort of celebrate the end of the one year uh, anniversary. And that special guest will be announced shortly. So make sure you are watching social media for that. And you're following me um, at Rye underscore Myers on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. I'm going to be posting all about it. So I can't wait to see you. And with that, let me get on to the show today. I am so excited to welcome my special guest. He is somebody who I've been following his career for several months. I'm so excited to finally talk with him. And um, if you are on social media, you probably follow him. You've seen his live streams. You've um, 
seen him maybe on Broadway and he made his debut this past spring in Paradise Square. Please help me welcome the incredible Jeremy Crittenden. Hey. Hi, Jeremy. Hello. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. How are you? I'm really well. Thanks. Really well. <laughs> well, listen, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I am so excited. We're finally getting a chance to talk. Um, I know we've been trying to connect for quite some time. I've been trying to have you on the, the talk show and uh, schedules have not lined up. So thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. It means the world. Oh my gosh. Thank you for having me. This is so great. I love, I, I, I so wish I could be doing your live show, but this is great too. I love a oh, podcast. We love a podcast. Of course. Well, we love a podcast too. Um, and I'm thrilled to even be able to uh, to have you on. So for those who you know may not know, tell me a little bit about how you got your start in performing. I know you grew up in Canada um, and you're mm -hmm. new to the US. You've only been here a few years, but you grew up in Canada. So was performing in your blood? Did you grow up performing? Was it something you found later in life? I, I think I found performing, well, I think I found, I know I found performing when I was a kid. I, I started in school choirs um, when I was in like elementary school. So um, growing up, my mom would always sing in the car as we were driving around. And so I kind of learned how to sing, singing to rock set with my mom in the car. And then that made me, you know, then I got into choirs when I was in elementary school and it was in junior high. Like I want to say, I think it was the seventh grade that the first time I did like a musical and uh, I fell in love with it right away and then started doing that all through high school. But like there was nobody in my family who there's there's no one else in my family who's a performer. There's nobody who really worked in the arts. I had an or I have an uncle who was a, a drama teacher mm -hmm. um, in northern Alberta. Um, but I only saw him like, you know, once or twice a year or whatever. Right. So it, it wasn't really something that was in my world. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of wild that I ended up doing this professionally, um, because I wasn't in like a big arts town. There was no professional theater where I grew up. Mm -hmm. My access to it was very, very few and far between, but here we are. Like, how crazy is that? So crazy. I mean, did you grow up in Alberta? Yeah. Yeah. So I grew up near Calgary in a little city called Medicine Hat. Okay. Uh, which is about three hours drive from Calgary. So like the first time that I saw a big musical was in Calgary, mm -hmm. um, probably like 1998, 1999. And it was the, sh the tour of Showboat. So it was another Garth Drabinsky show. Wow. Um, and that was the first time I saw a big giant musical and uh yeah that like that's one of the experiences that made me like fall in love with theater yeah that well that is incredible and uh sort of full circle that you know years later you'd be uh, on broadway in another show of his and yeah. you know it's so funny um i've only ever been to canada once and believe it or not it's been to calgary get out that's wild yeah to see uh, i have a good friend who lives in calgary and i went in the summer of 2017 and uh, it was a lot of fun. We did the um, the rodeo or the stampede, the Calgary yeah. stampede. That's like apparently so big in Canada and big in the world. Yes, big. And I, I, you know what? I loved it there. It was Calgary was nice. We did Banff. We went to Banff, yeah. which that's my was my happy place. I could not get over how beautiful it was. And you know what? What, what really stuck out to me uh, about Calgary was just that, like, even going to the um, to the rodeo there, it was. It, it was so clean. It felt so safe, right? It was 
it, it was in, in a time where like, you know, in America, if we had something like that, I was, ex when I got there, I was expecting to like go through all the security and to be checked. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, there was no security. Everybody was just doing their thing. Everyone was safe. Like everyone was safe. It was a, a welcoming environment. And uh, that really felt so different from here. And so that was really cool. And it was neat because they had rides and they had uh, the oh, stampede yeah. happening. And uh, it was, so anyway, Calgary was, was beautiful. And that's great. And I know that they do have um, shows that come into town there. So that's great that you grew up not far from there and you got to see your first show there. Yeah. And there's honestly, there is really wonderful theater made in Calgary. Calgary is a yes. great theater town. Um, Stafford Arima is actually the artistic director of Theatre Calgary there. Mm -hmm. So they're doing really, really excellent world-class work. Um, so yeah, when I was in high school, we would go up to Calgary to see not just like big, you know, like showboat, but also the stuff that was being done at the regional theaters there. Mm -hmm. Um, and again, that, you know, that was the first time, that was my first time seeing Canadian actors on stage professionally that you could go, oh, I could, I could have a career close to home doing this. And that was a realization I didn't have until I was in high school, right? The idea of being like a professional actor on stage, the idea of, of being a professional actor was like, oh, that's a Hollywood thing, mm -hmm. you know, not just a few hours down the highway. And so did you get to then perform um, throughout, you know, school and throughout college in sort of the Calgary and the regional theater throughout Canada and stuff like that, or? Well, that was the thing that was tricky for me because I, so I was um, in my high school years, the last two years I was in high school, there was a theater in Edmonton, Alberta, which is just a, you know, another three hours north. <laughs> and um, they had a really great summer program that was focused on um, taking teenagers who were curious about a career in the arts and exposing them to what that world actually is, mm -hmm. what it actually is like to work on a show professionally. So uh, they would cast from across the province, and then you would go and you'd spend like a month or a month and a half in Edmonton over the summer, which is such a beautiful city to be in over the summer. And you would learn, uh, you'd rehearse for eight hours a day, six days a week. You had uh, equity, uh, equity actors were in the cast. There was an equity director, equity stage manager. You followed equity rules. Like it was really sort of like, here's what this is really like in case you're actually curious about doing this, you know, here's a taste of that. So, you know, if you enjoy this, maybe this is what you want to go on and do in, in post-secondary and, and find a career in it. And I, uh, yeah, my love for it only deepened doing that. I thought it was just the most wonderful, wonderful experience. Oh, well, that's wonderful to hear. And, you know, then throughout your time, you also got into performing, I know, like for TV and did a lot of TV credits. You've done um, Star Trek, Good Witch and Murdoch Mysteries. And, um, you know, funny enough, Murdoch Mysteries. And I can't believe I'm blanking on his on the lead character's name, but I had him on the show. Um, Get out of town. Yes. Nice guy. Oh, my God. Why am I blanking on his name? Um, I know I am too now. <laughs> oh my God, it's going to kill me. But he was, but he was the lead guy in that. And um, I had him on my show and he was, it was, it was such, such, such a nice guy. And um, I think that it's on Hulu, I believe. And so if I okay. recall from the research I did, you had a, a, a big role on season 11, correct? Yeah. So um, I, I had one, I was in one episode and it was, uh, 
well, I mean, they're all mysteries, obviously. But right. um, there was like a, a a food a food poisoning uh, scandal, you know. Oh uh, yeah. Someone had been killed in this, um, you know, canned meat, this tainted canned meat situation, and uh, <laughs> I had a really great scene with him. And shooting it was so much fun. It was the most beautiful day. We were shooting just outside of Toronto, in um, a, a city called Hamilton, on like this, this like the grounds of this historic mansion it was so stunning and uh you know television is just like so fast so rapid fire and i feel like i would i i feel like i was on the set for like a hot second we like <laughs> spent all this time driving out to hamilton you know you get into the costume you get to the set we're like you know take 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 boom and before you know it you're in the van headed back home you know but it yeah. was so great they were so kind and it was a part that I didn't expect to get when I auditioned for it. I remember reading it and going like, oh, I'm too young for this. Or I, I, I look too young for this, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I rarely play characters that are my age. That's not a weird flex. It's just how it is. And so I remember looking at it and being like, ah, I don't think I'm going to book this thing. Um, and honestly, those are almost always the ones that I book because I go into them with like, no expectations. And I really just like that audition. Just like, cool. I'm just going to like do this stuff. I'm going to, you know, bring myself to this. I'm just going to have a great time for me, you know? And, mm -hmm. uh, I think the feedback even was from casting, like, oh, we really like Jeremy, but we think he's probably too young for this part. And then like two weeks later or something, we got the offer for it. And I was like, I can't. Okay, cool. Amazing. I, I don't know what's <laughs> what, but I'm so happy I get to do this. And it was fun. A lot of fun. I really loved that downset. Oh, that's amazing. And uh, Yannick Bisson, that's that's his name. I just yes, looked it up. Yannick. Yes, Yannick, Yannick Bisson. Um, and it's a very popular series there. I mean, they're in, I don't know what, God, what season, but it's been, it's like in Canada. It's 14, like, 15, yeah, it's huge. Yeah, it's, it's like the law and order out there. It's very huge. So <laughs> That's right. Now, is there, um, as an actor, is there a medium that you prefer, prefer more? Do you like acting for the the TV or do you like stage acting? I've always found it so interesting because, you know, back in the day I used to perform and want to do this professionally. And uh, it's not something that I know I will ever pursue. I'm more on the hosting personality front of things. But one of the things that was always so hard for me was that balance between going from television to theater and, you know, not being too theatrical while you're on television and not being too television while you're on theater. So do you have as an actor, a, a medium that you prefer? My God, you know what? It depends on the day. I have to be honest with you because if when like <laughs> I did musical theater for so long and it wasn't until I was starting to look too old to play teenagers, but I was still looking too young to play, you know, grownups that mm -hmm. I started working more in film and TV. I didn't go to school for musical theater. I went to school for film and TV acting. Oh, and then wow. because I sang, I always ended up booking in musical theater. And I really, really love musical theater. I, last night I saw Strange Loop and I was sitting there and I was going like, oh my gosh, I really miss it. I really miss being on stage. And then anytime I'm on a set, I'm like, nah, this is it. This is what I love. I love doing this. So I think the challenges of, of the two are so different that maybe I love them both equally. Um, yeah. Lately, like at this point in my life, I really want to be doing film and theater more and learning actually more about that medium. I really want to be directing and writing is 
ultimately where I feel like I'm of most use in this industry, but like, damn, like put me on a stage and I'm just so happy there too. So, um, yeah, but I think that maybe the thing that I do, maybe what gives film and TV more edge, I'm just like, all these things are falling out of my brain as I'm thinking about them is, um, I, I like, I think I like the putting it together part and not so much the doing it eight times a week part. Mm-hmm. So I do find like a lot of times there's been a, a, a few times that I've worked on shows where you get to opening night and I'm like, great, we did it. We put it together, guys. I'm good. And I'm ready to go, you know, and I'm ready to kind of move on to something else. Right. Um, whereas in like film and TV, like you're just constant, like you're constantly putting it together. You're constantly putting it together. That's mm-hmm. all you're doing. Um, now that being said, like I did Avenue Q up in Canada. I did Ultra Boys up in Canada. Um, and those what are shows. were you in Avenue Q? I played Princeton and Rod. It was my absolute dream role. I saw John Tartaglia do it in Las Vegas (laughs) when Avenue Q was in Las Vegas and they'd opened the theater at the Wynn. And I was like, I, I had never seen anything like it. I was absolutely blown away by it. It is all I wanted to do in this life. And uh, I could do that show every single day until the day I died. Same with Alter Boys. I could do it every single day. I loved doing those shows. They're such good shows. They have such a definitive role in musical theater. I feel like they're such a staple and they're such interesting shows. I mean, Avenue Q especially. I, I miss that show. I wish it was still here in New York. It's such a shame <laughs> that it's closed completely, even off Broadway. It was so, so good. I I, I don't. I see why you like it. I don't blame you because it is one of my favorites as well. Um, but, you know, being that you, you know, you, you, you like the stage and you like TV, but you, you know, you missed the stage you're talking about. You saw Strange Loop. You uh, recently made your Broadway debut in a show called Paradise Square, which we all know from this, uh, this past season, which was a great show. It's unfortunately has since closed. It was at the mm-hmm. um, Ethel Barrymore Theater. And you stepped in for a few weeks, from what I understand, as a semi-vacation swing. So how did this mm-hmm. Broadway debut come about in Paradise Square for such a short period of time? It was crazy. Uh, so um I had a lot of friends in the show because there was a lot of Canadians actually in, in paradise square. A lot of the, you know, oh, the yeah. development time and everything was spent in Canada. So, um, my agent called me one day and, uh, I'm with talent house. And so they have offices in Toronto as well as offices in New York. And, um, so Bruce, the owner of the agency called me from Toronto and he was like, Hey, uh, if a job started tomorrow, could you do it? I said, well, it depends on the job, you know, like, um, uh, I really want to be here in New York. And I thought maybe it was, you know, something in Canada that we need to, um, I've been very fortunate to have, to have had opportunities that are like, oh, we've lost somebody. Can Jeremy come and step in and do Mary Poppins or, you know, uh, I love you. You're perfect. Now change was another one that's kind of like plopped into. And I thought it might've been something like that. And he said, no, it's in New York. It's paradise square. And I was like, absolutely. We'll make it happen. Absolutely. We'll make it happen. And, um, so I was like, okay, listen, it's a long shot, but, uh, what video do you have of you singing? Now, again, I had said like, 
as I started getting too old for teenagers, but not old enough for adults, I wasn't really doing a lot of musicals. So the video of me singing was kind of old. So I said, listen, this is what I've got. I've got like this 10 year old video of me singing like Les Mis, empty chairs at empty tables in my <laughs> attic in Stratford, Ontario, seven, eight, 10 years ago, something like that. Cool, let's send it. So we send this stuff in and uh, they come back and they're like, yeah, we just think Jeremy's too young. And I said, oh, of course they think I'm too young. The video's 10 years old. Let me just, let me put something else. Let me just put something else on tape for you right now. I'll just, you know, come into this room here and uh, I'll just throw something down and say, well, you know, it may not work out. This is kind of a long shot. We really don't want you to have to go through it. It's like, yeah, but that's what we do. We throw something down, you, you know, you do a self tape and nine times out of 10, nothing comes of it. That's, that's fine. That's, you know, that to me is a great opportunity. I love auditioning. I love doing self tapes. I really? love doing all this. I love it. Wow. It's an opportunity. To just do what you love. I understand there might be 800 people in the room when you're doing it, but it's still like you get to do it. Mm -hmm. So, um, I pulled up the music for a beautiful city from Godspell, the revival of Godspell. Mm -hmm. And the video is actually me at this desk that I'm sitting at right now. Standing desk. So I was standing. I had the lyrics and everything on this screen here. I had the music playing on this screen here. And I'm just like kind of reading it and singing it and just really sort of nice in the moment. I, I recorded it because I was like, I'm just going to do a quick, quick pass of this and see what it sounds like, see what it looks like. And I really loved it. I just loved the take. I did one take of it. Wow. And I sent it in. And now I had said to Talent House in New York, I was like, I'm not really doing musicals now. I want to do more you know, film and TV stuff. So let's focus on that. I sent that in and <laughs> we'd be back and they were like, yeah, so we're going to be talking about musicals a lot more, which I thought was really lovely because I hadn't really sung in so long. And that was the tape that booked me the job. Oh so a few hours later, I was taking out the trash. I had two bags of garbage in my hands. There were rats literally scurrying about my feet. And uh, I saw a talent house on the phone. I picked up and my agent said, how does it feel to be Broadway's Jeremy Crittenden? And I oh. lost my mind. And then I said, I really wish I was getting this phone call at literally any other location in the world. <laughs> but it is now such a fun story. Yes. I cried and screamed. And listen, Rye, I'm 40 years old, man. Wow. I being on Broadway, getting a broad, getting that phone call was a dream that I had put on the shelf. When I came to New York, um, I, I married an American. Uh, is how sort of my immigration story started. And mm -hmm. um, uh, we're not together anymore, but he's an actor as well. And I remember as I was getting to know more people that were working in New York and had been on Broadway, were on Broadway, or, or had not yet gotten to Broadway, starting to understand the, like, the routes that most people take to get to Broadway, I let the thing happen to me that nobody should let happen to them. And that is of going like, 
of going, oh, well, this these people's stories are like this to get there. And I don't have that story. I didn't go to Michigan or whatever the all the schools are. I don't I don't know these people. I haven't worked with um, you know. Mm -hmm. I don't match what these other stories are. So that's never gonna happen for me. And I like shut all that down. I took the dream, I put it up on the shelf. I, you know, I had my cry about it and gone yeah. like, cool. So that's, that's not going to happen for me. That's fine. That's fine. I, you know, that's not going to happen for me. So, um, getting that phone call was, uh, uh, honestly meant the world and was such a good lesson for me in what I know deep in my heart is don't worry about other people's stories. It doesn't matter. It's not, things aren't going to happen the way you think or the way you want. It doesn't wow. matter what the rules are. It doesn't matter what the paths are. It doesn't matter what other people say is the way it works. Mm -hmm. You just got to do your thing. You got to do your thing and just yeah. leave it, leave the rest to the universe, man. Yeah. Wow. Jeremy was dropping the dropping the truth. I mean, man, isn't that the truth? You know, I, I mean, listening to that, what a, such a beautiful story. And it makes for a good story too, that you're taking out the trash and you got that call. Yeah. I mean, what a great way. But the fact that I think so many people, I know I can, and I know there are so many people that can relate to that same story in the sense that have, you know, maybe put their dreams on hold or have looked mm. at other people's stories. I know I'm guilty of it, of looking at somebody else's success, be it in my same path or my same career field or in the sort of entertainment world and seeing how they got there. And it's like, well, I don't have this, or I don't have that, or I don't have that follower base, or I, you know, I don't have, you know, this talent or this skill. And it, it can really, it can really hurt somebody. It can do damage. And, you know, you end up putting your dreams aside because you're, what you ex what you see and what you think how other people get there is not really how it happens. And what you have to realize, and you said that is things happen how you don't expect. And it's a different, everybody's story is so different. And I think um, that that needs to be said more. And so, yeah. um, it, it, you know, everybody has, a, I know I, I as I said, I, I'm guilty of it. I'm guilty of thinking that it's gotta be this way. And I see it as linear one way only. And when a change comes about that could be sort of altering in a good way, you lament on it and you like, you know, do I do it? Do I not? This isn't how I expected it. What if this comes of it? Or there's a lot of people and I've sometimes done this, but I know there are people who say, well, you know, I, it didn't happen for me. So I'm going to hang up the shoes or I'm going to mm -hmm. hang up this, or, you know, um, I don't have this and therefore, you know, I can't do it. So I think that that's a, a really, um, it's very relatable. And I, I mean, hearing you say that just like, really, it like tugs at the heartstrings. And it's, you know, but I, I think this business has, listen, it's really easy to go like, oh, well, these are the cookie cutters, right? Like these are the, mm -hmm. archetypes. these are the, you know, this is, you know, you're an ingenue or you're this or these types. And it's really easy to kind of fall into those traps of, um, if I want this, I have to be da, 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 da. And you know what, listen, for a lot of people that has proven to be true and there are logical paths that people take. If I want to be a dancer on Broadway, it's probably really smart to follow, you know, X, Y, Z path. And that's all fine. That's all fine. But I really do, you know, the older I get, the more that I, the more I realize that the, 
the things about me that are different, mm -hmm. the fact that I haven't followed those paths actually kind of are my superpowers. You know, I, I, I don't have that. Uh, I, I don't compare myself to others as much as humanly possible, even though I just told you a massive story about how I was comparing myself to, you know, everybody and going like, oh, well, I guess I should hang up my, hang up my dreams. But, um, you know, I really, I think the most awful, horrible, toxic thing that we do to ourselves in this business is compare ourselves to others and then try to uh, take lessons from that and yeah. go, oh, because I'm not this, because I don't look this way, because I don't, that's a reason to stop or that's a reason yeah. to throw myself short. Um, yeah. So I really, I, I'm, I'm grateful that my story has been what it has been so far and i'm really excited for what it'll be next because it's like who knows who <laughs> knows there's so many options and we'll we'll talk about definitely like following the paths and this because i do want to get back to that and i think it's mm. important and i do have to say i think also comparing ourselves i think social media plays a big role in that for too sure. and is to blame and that's something we're definitely going to touch on i made a little note here but i do on talking on making your Broadway debut, you made the Broadway debut. You were in the show for two weeks. You were mm. a, a swing. Um, you know, obviously, as you know, the show has had, unfortunately, a lot of drama surrounding yeah. it. The lead producer, uh, Garth Dabrinsky, which, you know, I have no problem saying because he's just known in the industry as somebody who unfortunately is not a good producer. I don't think he'll ever work again in America. He's been banned from producing in Canada. You all can look him up. There's you know, he was the producer yeah. behind Ragtime. I mean, he was, he was an extraordinary man had he not committed the fraud and cooked the books like he had, um, but behind some of the greatest shows. But as it had come out, you know, um, he was, you know, he's in trouble with Actors' Equity and with IATSE mm -hmm. and with Paying Dues. So I guess my question is, did you at least ever get paid for your time in Paradise Square? Are you still waiting on a paycheck? I mean, there was all this talk of him not paying people. I Hopefully you got paid. I'm all topped up. I'm all Good. topped up. Everything's fine. Everything's fine financially on, on my end from it. And, you know, yes. listen, I, I, I was there, uh, I was there shortly after the opening and sure there was, you know, like, of course there was a lot of chaos going on and, um, did you see course. a lot of it going on or did you, did, was there, was it known? Did the cast really talk about it or was it more of just sort of, you know, the inner workings? And I, and I asked because, you know, we're in such a time right now where, um, you know, it's, 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 it is important to obviously hold the people accountable and responsible, especially mm -hmm. if there's, uh, things where, you know, the people are saying things that are, um, you know, abusive that are, you know, both, uh, verbal or, you know, harassment or stuff like that. And so I'm curious, like, was there, you know, in the, in the rehearsal process or during the show, was there sort of this known fact that he was sort of like this or um was it just very much so of like that was sort of back end stuff the actors didn't really know too much no I, I, the here's what i'll say about the company of paradise square i've never worked with a group that was um uh, such a great solid community that yeah. were really looking out for each other really had each other's backs all the time and for the things that were going on around the production that were not what they should be yeah. Um, everyone was on the same page about them in terms of the, in terms of the company, people were sharing information. They were talking to each other to be supportive of each other. And you're also talking about a group of artists who really, really believe in their show. Oh yeah. Really believe in the music who really, really believe in 
the power of what was happening on that stage every single night. And those artists wanted to deliver that show to their audience. They did. Every single night, right? Mm -hmm. And that was the commitment that everyone had. Everyone wanted to see the problem solved 100%. But they wanted to make sure that their show was on the stage. Because, you know, it's not it's not just um, everybody or, or so many folks on the show had poured years and years of their lives into it, right? Of course, as it is with most shows, yeah. Absolutely. So they really wanted the show to be successful. Um, and uh, I, I don't think anybody went into that process with blinders on in terms of uh, what had happened in the past. So of course, no. There's a certain awareness of like what the risks are. Oh, but, yeah. Um, I didn't, you know, the chaos was going on around. My chaos in the show was I'm trying to learn a three-hour musical right. in this much time. Yeah. You know, and I hadn't done a musical in seven years. Wow. So... Um, that was, that was where my head was at, but yes, a hundred percent people were talking about what was going on. A hundred percent. I knew what was going on. Um, well, and I think a lot of people also felt like, I know for me, when the, the show was announced, I mean, I think we had all hoped, obviously there was that cloud hanging above of what he, you know, of his past, but of course we, everybody had hoped that the, you know, the new show that there wouldn't be these issues with, you know, uh, with him. Of course I was, I'm always somebody to give somebody a second chance and, yeah. you know, um, but the show itself was beautiful and the show was, I mean, I, I saw it in previews and of course it got, um, uh, Jakina, oh. uh, Tony for a burn, which then I think put the show on an even new platform for people to see and experience yeah. and to have such a show of that nature win the Tony award for best actress in a musical, Jakina Calacongo, um, I think made it even more special. And then of course you've got the cast of Chalina and AJ. And of mm. course I love, I love Kennedy Coggle. I know she was oh, yeah. uh, understudied oh. Chalina oh. and her voice is just, I've told her, I said, her voice is just disgustingly. She's just disgustingly talented. Right? Her voice is just like sick. I mean, it's a beautiful show. Yeah. And so did you get to go on? I mean, as a swing, obviously you were learning so many different roles. Did you get to go on at all or? I didn't get to go on. Um, I was really hoping that I was really hoping the show was going to last longer so that I was able mm. to go on and, and start uh, covering off some vacations and things. Yeah. Um, but uh, honestly, for me, like the best part about it was getting to work with all of those amazingly talented people. Of course. Rehearsing with them every day. Um, I every single day that I was in the building, mm -hmm. I was either if I wasn't watching the show uh, from the house when let it burn when the music started up for let it burn didn't matter what i was doing i put all my stuff down i was like i'll be back and i went and watched jakina oh. from the wings and uh, i gotta tell you i was so happy when she won that tony me too I screamed and cried I, I think she's such a phenomenal talent but she's also an incredible leader she uh she really really um she welcomed all of us. There were three of us actually that, that came in as vacation swings, mm -hmm. um, at the same time. And, um, uh, their first performance back, she thanked us from the stage and, uh, was just so supportive and welcoming of all of us. And, um, uh, yeah, I really, really admire her for leading that company so incredibly well through that storm that was swirling around at all times. 
Of course, of course. And what do you think probably your best experience was of being a part of Paradise Square? I mean, just being in that theater alone is, is I'm sure, of course, yeah. uh, magic. But what was the, sort of your your most memorable moment? This might be weird, but I had a day. So obviously we were learning a lot of choreography mm -hmm. uh, really quickly. And I am, she's not a dancer. So <laughs> um, I feel yes. Listen, I've done a lot of dance shows and I, I always managed to pull it together somehow, but it is the thing that I really have to concentrate on the most. And uh, we were, you know, uh, originally it was kind of like, you're coming into the show, you're going to have two days of rehearsal and then you are on. You're going to be on on this day originally. And um, uh, so we had, tr I think we had put like, we're putting us into like three numbers or something in one day. And then we started working on like the Irish dance. Mm -hmm. And I just, all of a sudden, I, I, I couldn't learn. I couldn't learn it. I just, we were looking, I was looking at incredibly, like they were, the steps had been broken down for me in a very manageable way. It was probably like, you know, 4.30, 5pm. Mm -hmm. And I just said to the dance captains, I was like, I, I think I hit the wall. I don't think I can learn anything more today. And they were like, yeah, we were kind of thinking that maybe you'd hit that. Rye, I left that <laughs> rehearsal hall so sad and upset with myself. And I was like, come on, man. This is like, people are relying on you. This is what you are here to do. You are here to learn this show as quickly as possible. They need you. Yeah. And I got home and I thought about it a little bit more. And I thought, the reason that I hit the wall is because I worked so hard today. Yeah. I really, really worked hard that day. The reason I hit the wall is because I worked to failure. And that's a good thing. That is something that I should be proud about. Would I love to have been able to squeeze one more number in that day? Yes, absolutely. Was it reasonable to think that I could have? Probably not. <laughs> right? Exactly. So it ended up being something like the next day I came in and, you know, I, of course, in my head, I, that, that day I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I, I don't know why I can't, you know, and they're like, it's cool. It's cool. I, we're doing a lot. We're doing a lot. <laughs> um, and then once I gave myself that instant forgiveness of being like, no, you're not a superhuman. Um, and you did a lot today. You, everything that you did today, you should be super, super proud of. And you really, I don't think I'd ever gotten to that point before of like, or I've gotten to the point where like, oh, I'm tired at the end of the day, but I don't think I'd ever worked so hard in a day in rehearsal to go like, my brain is telling me it's done. I cannot lift the, the mental weight anymore, mm -hmm. you know? So right. I'm actually proud of that day, even though I wish I could have crammed one more number in, but... Well, I think I, I I totally get that. I think there's I think that speaks for a lot of people who, you know, are, have that same sort of mindset in whether it's the performing world or even in uh, the working world in general who, you know, want to push themselves to be that, you know, that great greatness and keep going and doing and doing and doing. And then, you know, when we are that mentally and physically exhausted and then our body is telling us enough, but we still feel like we failed or we aren't giving enough, but it's just that we have, it's just that we, we've given all we could for that day. So I think yeah. that that's um, really special that, you know, you were able to 
realize that and come to that acknowledgement um, and that obviously everybody else understood that too. But I think we, we, we put so much pressure on ourselves and I mean, I, I'm guilty yeah. as, as charged of it too. I mean, and then we sort of get into the spiral. So I, I get that for sure, you know? Um, and so, you know, you finished with Broadway and now you, now I say now you've probably been doing it for a while, but then I discovered you on Instagram and you have right. an Instagram following that is quite vast, actually a, a big social media following. Let me uh, pull it up now just to make sure I get the following, the follower count, right? You have currently 48,000 point not 48.9 thousand followers on Instagram. Um, you are what I would call a true content creator. Uh, you've leaned into this Instagram social media yeah. world and, you know, talk about sort of following the paths. Um, you know, I think this sort of path that you're on right now has led you to social media. You're posting a lot. You talk about, you know, you have a community that is behind you. You go live every week to talk with your community. You, um, obviously share meaningful products to your community. Sure. And I, I feel like where we are right now in this world, um, performers, especially, but I feel like every, a lot of people in the entertainment world, like we're leaning into the social media realm and the content creator and influencer world. So how did, how did this sort of come about? Was this, you know, something you were leaning into even prior to being on Broadway and how do you sort of discover and figure out what you're going to post about and talk about. Sure. So I, uh, like I said, I, you know, I have come to, usually when most people move to New York to, mm -hmm. you know, kickstart their career here, they're a bit younger than me. So, um, and they, you know, they've gone to school in America or, or whatever. Right. So uh, when I got here, I was kind of like, ah, I've got catch up to do. I've got, mm -hmm. you know, this is going to be a really interesting, unique challenge. Most other actors my age have, um, or, or my type or the, the people that I would be, you know, uh, that will be auditioning for the same things that I'm auditioning for are most likely to have established relationships in this community. And, um, relationships are important. That's this business is like any other business. In that, you know, or I always say to people that talk, oh, I had a really great audition. I can't believe I didn't get it. And I'm like, it's not a talent contest. We're not in talent contests every day. Auditions are not talent competitions. A big part of what we do is relationship building as well. Because when you go onto a set to be on a set for a few days or a few months, mm -hmm. the people that are making those decisions to invite you onto those sets are making very expensive decisions. Yeah. And so that requires a lot of trust. Yes, they need to trust that you have the talent and skill to be able to do something, but they also need to trust that you're going to be great on that set. You're going to be great to work with. You're going to come to work prepared and all of those things that don't necessarily, that, 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 that doesn't show in an audition. So relationships are vital. And I don't have those relationships right now. Getting onto social media and starting to do well, two things about this. A, it's a creative outlet. That's how it started. Yes. Um, I was always posting things on social media, but not with regularity and not with a challenge to myself of, how do I make this look great? <laughs> how do I take a great picture? How do I take a beautiful picture? 
Well, I mean, come on, Jeremy. It's you are. It, it, how do you take a great picture? It doesn't. It, that doesn't take much for you to take. You are a very handsome looking man. You, that, <laughs> you know, I'm just, there's not. I don't think it requires that much. You snap a photo. I think of any state of yourself, and I think you'll you'll look fabulous. So. I've got a lot of selfies that'll say otherwise, <laughs> man. I can show you all the all the all the duds. <laughs> I mean, like a well composed photo. You know what I mean? Like, I know. I, know. I want to take a well composed, beautiful photo. So over the pandemic. I was like, oh, I'm going to get into photography. I've got this beautiful camera here. And, you know, my iPhone's a beautiful camera. Are you kidding me? Oh, and um, so that's kind of like I started experimenting with that. But I also, you know, um, I was like the most logical subject to take a photo of is myself. So that's kind of how <laughs> that's kind of how the, the cavalcade of selfies started. And <laughs> then, um, uh, yeah, like slowly but surely. Um, you know, you start to like get more followers. And um, then I started playing around with reels and there was like, there was like this silly filter. It was like, what Disney princess are you? Are you like, are you like creative? And you'd like tilt your head to one side, right? right. You, you know, the ones. Yes. Anyways, um, I'm princess Jasmine, by the way, obviously. Okay. Love and it. so I did this, I did this silly Disney filter and in a reel and it took off like just every single time i opened my phone i was like what the hell is going on <clears throat> i was getting hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of followers and like thousands of likes and this wow. weird little you know which disney princess are you video just went viral <laughs> <laughs> i have no idea why i've no idea. i was sitting at a dig in Honestly, this is true. I was sitting at a dig in, like eating food, and I was like, "Oh, this is a cute filter. I'm just gonna do this thing." You can see, like, there's a person like walks by in the background of the filter. Went viral. There are no wow. rules. Only chaos. There is only chaos. And I got, you know, I, I probably got tens of thousands of followers from that alone. Oh, and then wow. it just seemed it's kind of kept going. Like, okay, well, let's feed this monster a little bit more. Let's feed this monster a little bit more. And um. Yeah, so I've uh, um, the, my following on Instagram and Twitter have have grown have grown really really quickly and and TikTok as well. You know, I haven't put as as much effort there as I probably should be, um, but it's been cool. And the best part about it is that I'm sort of getting to know uh, all these people all over the world that I wouldn't get to know, mm -hmm. and who have shown an interest in what I'm doing, which is really cool, and. I really believe that today artists have an opportunity to develop their own audiences. Yeah. And with, you know, these little devices, we have the ability to create what we want to create whenever we want to create it on our own terms. We don't have to wait for somebody to call up and say, I give you permission to do what you love to do today. Yes. And that's really meaningful to me. So mm -hmm. these videos and photos and, you know, sometimes it feels silly and sometimes they are silly and, you know, um, but it honestly has been a great creative outlet and mm -hmm. I learned something about the medium or about myself or about developing an audience every single time I post something. So yeah, it's really fun. It's really cool. And um, I'm really enjoying it. I'm glad. And as you should be. And I, 
I love that, that you say with, you know, just do it, you know, create. I, it's like a quote from my favorite new musical that's in the works called Super You. They say, don't wait, create, you know, yeah. just, you know, don't wait, create. And now in creating all of this, do you have, you know, are you working with companies or with agencies for sponsorships? And uh, if so, what are sort of your advice for content creators in any realm, actors, performers, sure. uh, creatives of that type to, um, you know, reach out and get sponsorships. I mean, I know we've all fallen, not victim, but we all get those DMs from those like, be a brand ambassador for this jewelry sure. company and I'll send you free jewelry. And it's like, you know, or like all this crazy stuff. And, um, you know, they always say, you know, know your worth. And obviously, you know, you want to put yourself into something that, you know, uh, is meaningful. So yeah. like, do you currently work with with an agency and how would you recommend people get started that if they if they want to do that because obviously we have seen that you know brand partnerships brand deals sponsorships so that's not only where the money's at but that's where we're seeing a lot of um uh the industry going today there's a lot of talent discovered there there's a lot yeah. of work that's happening there so mm -hmm. talk about that a little bit more i think in terms of products and working with brands i think the the Lesson number one or rule number one is, is really about your audience. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I started working, I started using an app actually called We Sponsored and I really like them. And uh, they work with big creators and small creators. And there's a lot of other apps like that. I'm working with a new one as well right now called uh, Gleewee. And um, you, got it, you said it's called We Sponsored and, and Gleewee? Gleewee, G-L-E-W-E-E. -E. Um, and that one's for, I think, you know, I'm even... My audience is a little small for that <laughs> app even, but well, I'll put it in my show notes for my audience just so they yeah. have it as well. So yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think that platforms are, are that one. Uh, I think the, the sort of bar to entry is a little higher, right. but with sponsored, the bar to entry is a little bit lower. Um, and when I, when I started, I was kind of like, oh yeah, I'll do that one or I'll do that one and I'll do that one. Right. And it ended up being about like, oh, I'm interested in these products. So, you know. Like there was like, you know, milk bar cookies. I was like, great. I love milk bar cookies. I want to do that. Mm -hmm. And then you find like, it's like, uh, but is my audience particularly interested in that? Um, so there've been, there've been a few things that I thought like, uh, maybe I wasn't quite right for this, you know? Yeah. So I think the number one thing to think about is, is this something that my audience is going to be interested in? And you have to understand your audience. You have to look at your, you have to look at the demographics of the people that are uh, following you and connecting with you. You have to look at the the stories and everything that you've been telling that your mm -hmm. audience connects to and see if those things line up, right? Um, is that how you found, and is that how you found your audience? I mean, you know, I'm, obviously I'm sure you have a clear picture of who your audience is. Mm -hmm. Is that how you discovered yours just from, you know, looking at the demographics and sort of seeing the trends of what they like, what they enjoy? And is that something that you would, uh, is that what you would recommend for people to how to find their audience. Cause I feel like, you know, people say that and it's very important, you know, find your audience, but you know, how, how do you find your audience? And is this, so is that how you went about it? Is you just were constantly looking at the metrics and the statistics? Well, for me, I, in terms of finding my audience and the, mm -hmm. like, the audience that I've been like going after, I, I really wanted to, I really wanted to be known as a gay content creator. So the stuff that I make, I do focus on gay men. And so I know that that's, that that's like, you know, the big picture audience of like gay guys. Yes. But in terms of the specifics, in terms of where they are in the world, um, how old they are, you know, things like that. 
and then you know you take that and you can kind of develop a um in marketing they'd say you know you have to have a, an ideal customer so i have in my mind there is one person i in my mind there's it's not just gay guys it's there's a gay guy that i understand that is in my mind that when i'm creating i'm creating for that that one person mm -hmm. that is sort of representative of of what the audience is and by trying to serve that one profile i you know you bring along a lot more um it's just standard kind of marketing stuff, right? Of course. Um, but in finding that one, in finding that one person, I'm sure that probably took time to hone and to figure mm -hmm. out, right, who that one person that journey yeah. is speaking to is. Yeah, right. I mean, obviously, I'm wrong. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, the big audience is gay men, and you obviously, but to have then that one person in mind, that obviously must have taken some time. So I feel yeah. like to, for people in in finding not only just their general audience, but then finding that main center that main one person. I mean, that takes some time, I feel like, yeah. to hone and to craft of who, you know, let's and say in this case, who Jeremy is speaking to directly, right? Yeah. And some experimentation too. Like, you know, you go like, oh, I, go, I, I think this is what it is. I think this is what the profile is. I think this is who, who my ideal audience member is. And you make some content with that in mind and it's a total flop. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, okay, well, yeah, that's not it. Or maybe it is. And that, and that particular piece of content just flopped, you know? And that's so, tough. Yeah, that is tough. Well, but you also have to like, I, I always say, and this is about acting as well. Like you have to take that thousand foot view and you have to think of your work in the way a scientist thinks of it. You know, mm -hmm. you can't get emotionally attached to this stuff. Um, that's a good point. Yeah. You can't get emotionally attached to the piece of content that you think is going to be a hit and then isn't one just like, yeah. you know, this, you can't get emotionally attached to that audition that you think is going to is going to book you the work you just have to like create the thing and then you put that baby out into the world and it does what it does right and you know you can maybe learn lessons from that afterwards but they can't they can't affect your value they can't affect how you view yourself or how you view your work right you can learn lessons from and go oh, i might do this differently or i might do that differently but it, you can't yeah you it can't affect your value it of just course. can't and if it does this is going to be a long brutal road because well, I think, you're going to hurt I, yourself it, it, yes you are and i think that that's that's such a good good way to look at it and think about it because we are i i mean listen i fall i i fall guilty of it i've just you know you talked about being on tiktok and twitter i've just mastered the game of instagram right i feel like i've just right mastered how Instagram works and the reels and the this and the that. And I was saying to, um, you know, cause I coach and work with creatives, but I also have a coach as well. And I was saying to him, you know, I created, I got on TikTok maybe eight, nine months ago. Mm -hmm. And I said, but I feel like that's a new beast in and of itself. Like the cool. TikTok world is different than the Instagram world. And yeah. you post something on TikTok that did well on Instagram that flops on TikTok, but does well <laughs> on Instagram, but then does well on Twitter or you post something on Twitter and it goes and blows up, but you post it on Instagram. And, and it's funny because you, you, it, it's tough because you get so excited about something. I've done yeah. a lot of content. I get so excited about, and this sound is so cool and it's trending and you do a sure. cool little thing. And then it's like, the views are like 300, 400. Yeah. And you're like, what? Like, I, I don't get this. And yeah. I think that's such a good way to say to not be, you know, emotionally attached to it. I think that is a good way to go about it is to just, Put the content out, put meaning behind it, but not 
be attached to it. I, I liked that. That's yeah. I've, I've not heard that before. Yeah. Have your goals. Like love what you're doing, love the process of creating it. But then when, once it's done, you just like, you just got to let it go. You just got to let it go. You just have to choose that if this thing hits, I'm going to enjoy the fact that it hits. Mm -hmm. And if it flops, I'm not going to give a shit. <laughs> That's the rule. That is the rule that I have about everything that I do. If it turns out great, awesome. I'm going to throw myself an emotional parade. And if it flops, I'm walking away. It doesn't, yes. it just doesn't matter. Only let in the good, only let in the good, only find the things that help you take the next step forward. Anything outside of that is trash. Anything outside of that, you have to keep outside. Mm -hmm. 100%. Some people might say that's cheating. It's like, if you read, if you believe the good reviews, you have to believe the bad reviews. No, you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> Fuck the bad reviews. Leave them outside. Only, only let the things into your world that help you take those next steps forward. I like that. I like that a lot. And and obviously, I mean, do you put some, I mean, every, I think it's every Monday you go live with yeah. your, um, your audience. Do you prepare for stuff like that every week? You know, what topics you're going to talk about, or do you sort of just go live and just see what, you know, um, what people have to say and how do you manage that? I mean, um, especially when the audience base sometimes like can fluctuate, I'm sure sometimes you've gone on in the past, maybe it's been lower than you've thought. And it sometimes seems like you're just talking to a screen. So do you prepare notes and do you recommend that people that you know maybe that start to go live do notes for that or um is there a process behind it do you use like a content calendar or i'm i kind of i i love experimenting live is new to me so i've only been doing live for about i'd say about a month or so mm -hmm. and i do every monday no matter what um like i have friends in town for example this week and um so i'm going live tonight and they're like what's going on monday night and i was like i'm working I'm like well, what are you doing monday night Mm -hmm. Not at the restaurant you're working at. It's closed on Mondays. You're not at yeah. you're not at Barry's. You're not at the gym. What are you <laughs> doing on Monday? And I was like, I do these lives, <laughs> and um, but it's like I it is my job, and so that is what I do on Monday nights, come hell or high water, even if it's just for an hour. Um, but I'll probably do a few hours tonight. I'll do like some Twitch streaming. I'll do the Instagram live, and I'll probably do some more Twitch. Um, but because it's new, I'm experimenting a lot. I have done meticulous show notes and prepared a whole bunch of topics and things that I want to say about them, little jokes that I can make. And then there have been some that I've gone, I'm not going to prepare anything. I'm going to go in and I'm just going to go into the fog. Because the thing that about the thing about live that is different from this format is in this format, it's just you and I, and we have to have enough to talk about to fill the space of your show on live mm -hmm. it is about you and whoever comes in it is an interactive medium and therefore what i've found if i've prepared too much if i've got too much to say about something or i've got too many little bits that i want to do mm -hmm. it doesn't work because all of a sudden it's like people coming into it it's like they're popping in on an always going TikTok, right? So they can pop in, they'll stay for about 15 seconds. And if I haven't uh, grabbed them in that 15 seconds with a joke or a whatever else, right? They go, they move on. And right. that's tough because there's somebody coming in every set. Like there's somebody coming into my lives every single second. So it's not, 
I can't, it, you can't follow that same sort of format of like, oh, I need to grab their attention at this point. And within 15 seconds, this needs to happen. And within, you know, a minute, this, this is how that, da, ba, 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 here's how that storytelling structure is going to work. You, you can't because you don't know when they're coming in. You don't know when they're going to leave. Right. So what I've found is um, uh, I'm kind of like somewhere in the middle on them. I, I have some topics that I want to talk about. I have some things that I think are going to be fun to say. And then I go into it and I watch the interaction from people. I read their comments. I kind of watch them. I have an eye on what the numbers are doing on the screen. And so I know if people are interested because they're staying or they're leaving. It's that simple. Right. And if they're leaving, I kind of find a way to move on to something <laughs> else. And sometimes you move through the things that you've prepared really quickly. You do. And, all, and you're like, now what are we doing? I've committed yes. to doing this for one hour. One hour is a bloody eternity. Oh, yes. An eternity. It is. And then you're like, great. I've uh, moved through the uh, incredibly compelling topics that I thought you were going to be just eating out of the palm of my hand. And now here we are for 50 more minutes. <laughs> well, yes. And I have to say, if you want to follow Jeremy on social media, he's at jcritty on Instagram and Twitter. Um, and I will say if you go on his lives and, uh, you know, Instagram has this great thing with supporters where if you donate badges, uh, which I believe then equivalent to money, mm -hmm. um, you get some special things. And, you know, Jeremy adds you to his close friends list for I a do. week. And, uh, you know, which I, which I think is awesome. And uh, you get some exclusive content from Jeremy and some other treats as well. So thirst definitely traps. just thirst traps, just thirst traps, with, you know, <laughs> love, love. Uh, we love a good thirst trap. So, so what are, as we wrap up here, what are you currently, um, you know, working on, uh, both in the realm of your passion and directing and stuff, but also on the social media and that, you know, maybe I didn't touch on, or is there stuff that's in the works that you, um, you know, want to talk about that I didn't get to say? Sure. I, you know, honestly, I'm spending so much time working on the social media stuff right now and I'm auditioning when auditions come up. I, you know, there's one really cool call that's in the fire right now that I hope comes to pass as what, you know, it always feels like there's like something that, uh, uh, you hope you'll be able to talk about at some point because you yeah. hope something comes of it. So I'm waiting to hear about something crazy, just uh. crazy. And like out again, outside of the realm of anything that I thought I would ever be doing, but like, it's an adventure, right? So I'm just kind of, of I'm just kind of going down that path right now. But it's funny because it's like living in New York is so expensive that I'm yes. working so many jobs, and yeah. uh, that I'm like, I feel like I have no, I have like no time to myself right now. So I started doing like this online film uh, film program through NYU over the pandemic that has just been kind of like sitting and collecting dust. And every single day I wake up and I'm like. Oh, why haven't I finished this? Why haven't, why aren't I giving myself the time to like finish this, this class, these classes, because at the end of this, I'm going to have like a short film that I, I'll make. Like that's the final product is like the final oh product gosh. of making this short film. And I'm so excited to do it. And I just haven't been like committing the time to it because I get home from working at a restaurant for, you know, a long shift and getting up early in the morning to go and work at Barry's. And I'm like, Where's the where's the time that I'm putting into the things that I love to do, you know? So mm -hmm. I have the social media stuff and I really do love that. And I I don't mean to sound like that's like a a chore or something. It's not. I really love it. No, that. it's it's not at all. I listen, 
I think anybody who lives in New York, myself included, living in New York City, I, I it can feel like a chore because it's so it's so expensive to live here. There's oh you have to you know do so many different jobs and so many different things, which I am on the same page with you with. I mean, I work part time in the theaters, bartending. I just got my real estate license. I start next oh week Lord. at a real estate firm. I you know do, I host and I'm my full time and I produce and I I mean I I do all the sort of you know the side hustles you can think of. So I yeah. I get it and yeah. and and then there's different programs that I've signed up for or joined or you know. Uh, online things that I've taken or paid money for that, you know, you care about, but then you, oh, I, you get tired or you, so I, I understand it. And I think a lot of people do. And I, it's, it's that, that push that to push yourself to do it. It's, it's so hard because, you know, you, you, you work so much and then you come home and you say, well, I'm going to work a little bit on that. And then you just want to go to bed and you're oh up God. in your sense, you're up early and you try to yeah. do it. And so, yeah, I mean, I get it. Today's my free day and I woke up this my alarm goes off at seven o'clock unless I'm like up really early to go work at the gym because sometimes uh -huh. we're at like 5 a.m. Right. Um, my alarm goes off at 7 a.m. My alarm went off at 7 a.m. today <laughs> and my body knows that like I have this on the calendar and then, you know, I'm going to get to the gym at some point and I'm, you know, going to see uh, I'm going to do the lives tonight. But like my body went absolutely not. Absolutely not. Like my, like I got nauseous laying in bed. I woke up and I was like, okay, time to start the day. And my body was like, you need to shut it down. No, you get back on that pillow, shut it down. And then I slept for like three hours longer. And I woke up just like, what, what is this eight hours of sleep? I just got who, who is she? <laughs> So, oh, good for you. Good for yeah, you. I know. I'm like, all right, we rested. Rest. Wow, amazing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, I've that's that's I'm I'm doing what I can and uh uh auditioning and I can't wait to get back to these these film courses and uh it's exciting. I'm hoping by the end of this year I've I've finished it and I've made my made my short film, which is like you oh. know, one of those things that in my life I was like, oh, I'm gonna do that. I'm mm -hmm. gonna do that. And so that'll feel That'll feel as special as the uh, rats scurrying around my feet. <laughs> hey, I feel you. That's how, honestly, that's how I thought about real estate. I was something I've always had an interest and wanted to do. And I, I regret not doing it in the middle of the pandemic when I was home, not doing anything and had the time to right. study and do courses and all that I'm stuff. Money. And and you you finish it, you get done this and you have this completed product and you're like, I did that. And so I, I get, I... I get it. And when it's completed, you're like, wow, you feel such a sense of accomplishment. You know, I haven't taken a test since college. And so to be back in this, you know, world of, uh, so yeah, it's crazy. So Good for you, good for you. Listen, thank you. Ella. Well, That's thank awesome. you. Like, thank you. Not only are you like accomplishing something that you wanted to accomplish, it's like, Girl, you can make money. That's I know. Awesome. I know. Well, yeah. Your lips to God's ears. Yes. If you're in New York City and you're looking for uh, rental or buying or anything in between, reach out to me. But um, right, your man. Yeah. But I. But I'm. I wish you all the best with that, and I'm excited to see what comes of this. You know, of this film course, and you. I just think you're such an inspiration to me, but not only to me, just so many people out there. I mean, I see the people that are constantly on your lives that comment and. Um, it's just so authentic and I'm seeing it pay off for you. And I think more, I know more is going to come, um, that's going to be good. And I'm so here for it. I'm so here for your journey. And as I said to everyone, make sure you follow him on social media at Jay Critty. 
And your website, I believe, is also www.jeremycrittenden.com, which people it. can go to. Um, and that'll also be in the show notes for those who aren't watching on the video um, as well to keep up with him. And if you want to keep up with me, you can follow me at rye underscore Myers and ryemyers.com for all of my interviews and um, posts and everything in between and um, producing stuff. And, uh, you know, as I said, my uh, talk show is celebrating one year this month. And so if you want to uh, get tickets to the anniversary show, go to ryemyers.com for that. So Jeremy, thank you so so much for this. I could sit here and talk to you all day. Um, and I just thank you for, for taking the time out. And thanks for having me. And listen, you know, I think it's really cool that you are interviewing people from like the top of the business to folks like me who have been in New York for a hot second and nobody would know. I think that's really cool. And that's really important because oh, it's not only, not only is it great for artists to have that opportunity to reach out to people. I think it's great for, you know, uh, for people who love Broadway and who love theater to get to know someone who's like, that dude was in that one thing for like two weeks and you never would have seen it. You know, like, I think it's cool because they're, if I've learned anything about being in New York and in this amazing Broadway community, it's like, there are so many amazing amazing, talented, wonderful, generous, beautiful, awesome people that we we may, are, we're not reading about on playbill.com. We're not reading about on Broadway world, but they have these stories and they're awesome. And thank you for, uh, for sharing our voices and sharing our stories. Oh, I think that's awesome and cool. And I love you for it. Oh, well, I appreciate that so very much. I love it. That's why I do it. That's why I'm your Broadway and entertainment BFF. I love it. That's why I share these stories. So go to ryemyers.com for more to see it. And uh, make sure you subscribe to this podcast as well, people. Jeremy, thank you so much. Thanks, Ryan. Hi, friend. It's Rye Myers, your Broadway and entertainment BFF. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Live with Rye, the podcast. I hope you got value out of it. Hey, do me a big favor. Download this episode and make sure you subscribe to this podcast and also leave me a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. The more five-star ratings and review that I have, the better this podcast does. So I need your help and support. So make sure you leave that five-star rating and review wherever you get your podcast. And hey, if you want to watch this episode or all my other podcast episodes in video form, you can click the link in the show notes to go to my YouTube channel where you can see all of these episodes in video form. It's really, really cool. So make sure you head over there to watch this in full video form as well. Well, thank you so much for watching and I will see you next Thursday for another episode of Live with Rye the Podcast. Make sure you keep it locked here for all episodes of Live with Rye the Podcast. Thanks so much and have a great night.